We are coming back live in person in the building next week. Oh, we are so excited about that. We've worked out a great plan. Listen, it's still got some restrictions. We are still uh, very much dealing with the COVID pandemic. We're not done with that, but we think we have worked out a plan whereby we can be together and exercise caution and keep everybody safe. So I want to take just a moment this morning, first of all, to remind you that we are coming back live next week. Did I tell you we're coming back live next week? I want to make sure I told you that we're coming back live next week. Woo! But let me give you a real quick rundown. We are coming back according to some phases. We are using the positivity rate uh, as published on the Madison County Health Department website. Now listen, you can go to other websites and it's different. We're using the Madison County Health Department website. If you go to a national website, it's sometimes different. We're going to the Madison County site and we've developed four phases. Right now, as it stands right now, we would be coming back in phase four, the most restrictive of the phases because of the positivity rate. So let me very quickly, these will come up on your screen. Phase four, here's how we identify. So it's not arbitrary. We know exactly what we're going to do. Phase four is triggered by a seven-day positive rate above 10%. This morning, we were at about 14.5. That means that one in seven people, a little under Actually, a little more than that, one in seven people being tested right now are coming back positive in Madison County. That's very high. We want to be careful. Pre-registration is required. I'll tell you about how to do that in a moment. We're going to be limited to 150 seats in the sanctuary at Alton and 100 adults in the sanctuary at Wood River. Seating is by family groups only. I know, I know, I know how just how yucky that is, but listen, I need you to respect these, uh, these restrictions. Seat only with those. If you come to them to church in the car with you, you can sit with them. We're going to ask you not to intermingle among groups. We don't want to spread this virus. Masks are required when we're in phase four. You have to keep your mask on at all times while you're in the building. Surfaces will be sanitized between and after all services. Temperature checks. We're going to be checking everybody's temperature before they come in. Children over the age of four must wear a mask at all times while in the building. Any child under four uh, will, will not be required to have a mask on. Visitation in common areas is not allowed. Our cafe will remain closed. We ask you to not to congregate in the hallways and visit, all right, and facilities will be closed to all rentals and activities. The moment that that rate drops below 10% for more than three days, uh, that seven-day rate, and it stays there, that will move us into phase three. Everything is the same there, except you can take your masks off when you're seated. The moment we go uh, to 8% or below, so 8% or below, we'll go into phase two. Phase two is triggered by that. Pre-registration at that point in time will not be required. Phase three and four, you must pre-register so that we can know how many people are going to be in the building. But once we get to phase two, pre-registration is off. Sanctuary seating is going to increase. We'll put half of the chairs in. Uh, seating will be open at phase two. You can sit anywhere you want. We'll open the cafe at that point. At that point, masks will be recommended, but they're not required, so you can choose whether or not you want to wear a mask. We'll still sanitize everything in the cafe, and as I said, visitation is not restricted. And the moment that we get down to 5% or lower, whoo, and that's coming, we'll just go back to doing everything just like we want to. Wood River is with us now. All right. Welcome, Wood River Campus. I've welcomed you twice, but I understand that you just, just uh, are seeing me now, so we are so blessed to have you with us. I uh, hope you heard some of those phases. If not... It's on our website. Uh, we'll be back next week in both locations based upon the phases that we're in. If we came back today, we would be in phase four. And the moment that we can, that we can reduce those phases and come back in a, uh, a less restrictive manner, we will do so. I can't tell you how excited I am to do that. And I can't tell you how excited I am to have the Wood River Campus with us, streaming both places today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We're in our final week of our Vintage Series Pastor Chris just did a phenomenal job last week, and that's why he never gets to do it again. He just did too good. 
No, that's not true. We're so excited about the Lord having him as part of our uh, preaching and teaching team. But we want to do week five, and then next week, let me tell you about some of the things that are coming. Next week, we're going to start sharing some vision. We're going to be in 2000. We are already in 2021, and by the way, Happy New Year. But we'll be sharing some things that the Lord is laying on my heart and on the team's heart, tell you where we're going, some of the outreach things that we're going to be doing, some, well, just some different things that we're going to be doing. We've got some different structure that we're putting in place. We've got some, just some really cool developments we want to tell you about. And we'll start doing that next week when we are live and in the building together. But before I go into the sermon today, let me encourage you. We begin, we have begun the last, uh, I don't know, a number of years since I've been here, in the first of the year, beginning in a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're doing that. We begin today. Uh, we've, not, uh, we've not spent a lot of time talking about that just because of all the pandemic things, but I would strongly encourage you to pick out something to fast. Do a Daniel fast. Pick some days of total fasting. Totally fast something that's dear to you. Uh, fasting shouldn't necessarily be easy, and it should be accompanied with a time of prayer and seeking the face of the Lord. So we'll be here tonight at 5 in prayer, uh, virtually only, streaming. And then uh, next week we'll come back live both Sunday morning and Sunday night for prayer. But I want to encourage you, pick out something. Uh, we'll be talking about it more as we go through. We'll begin this week and we'll do three weeks of prayer and fasting. And then on that fourth Sunday, after we've completed 21 days, we'll end our fast. So thank you so much for focusing in on the presence of the Lord. I'm completely convinced. 100% convinced, and that's why I like that Egypt song so well. It feels like we've walked through Egypt because we have. We've been wandering in the wilderness for a year. All kinds of things have happened in the church world, and I think the Lord is ready to pour out his presence and do some unprecedented things in the world we live in. I can't promise you that they're all going to be easy, but they'll all be good when the Lord does them. Say amen if you believe that with me this morning. Let's, uh, let's finish up the Vintage series. I'm excited about this message. Remember, cool people living out old truths. We want to be relevant in the world we live in, but we do not want to forsake God's word in order to do so. Let me ask you a question as we begin this morning. It might seem a strange question to ask you. How self-centered are you? How self-centered are we as a people? How much do you think of yourself versus other people? I found some studies, a 2015 uh, study that uh, suggested some things, and, and these are some of them are a little tongue-in-cheek, but there are some very telling things about the degree to which we are self-centered, the, the percentage, the, the chances that you would be self-centered. And when we're done, I'll tell you about our vintage truth today. 2015 study suggested that children from religious homes were less altruistic than their secular peers. In other words, kids that grew up in a church home had a tendency to be less generous, less, uh, less thoughtful of the needs of others and more considerate of their own needs. I don't know that I agree with that, but that's what the study says. A recent study published in Nature, The Nature of Human Behavior found this. It said that the and ladies, you, you might agree with this. Us men aren't going to like this much. It's found that male neural reward systems are more stimulated by self-centeredness while women are more likely to get a dopamine rush when helping others. We feel good when we think about ourselves. Ladies are more statistically prone to feel good helping others. This is perhaps 
nurture rather than nature as girls are more often encouraged to be caregivers while boys, at least stereotypically, are taught to do whatever it takes to run the world. <laughs> That's what the study said. A recent paper in the, and I like this one a lot, a recent paper in the Journal of Evolution and Human Behavior asks this, and I'm going to give it to you in the scientific terms, is sociopolitical egalitarianism related to bodily and facial formability in men? Here's the English translation of that. Are hot, muscly men horrible? (laughs) The answer seems to be yes. Well-built men are less likely to support giving what they have away or the redistribution of what they have than their less brawny brethren. According to the study authored by researchers from Brunel University in London, the London School of Economics and Harvard University, spending more time in the gym is linked to a more selfish socioeconomic worldview. Here's my interpretation. That's great news for any guys out there looking for a good excuse not to go to the gym. Turns out (laughs) that lifting weights makes you a terrible person. I love that. It's a good excuse. Indeed, there's plenty of research that shows that women may not, however, be the fairer sex. A few years ago, for example, the Daily Mail breathlessly reported that, quote, women are more selfish than men. I didn't write this stuff. They ignore charity workers at the front door of places more than men do, and they always take a bigger piece of chocolate when it's split in two pieces. That's true research. They take the bigger piece. According to a recent article in that well-known journal of social psychology, The Telegraph, opting for a window seat on an airplane means you are more selfish than those who want the aisle. And it is perhaps no surprise that numerous studies show that studying economics makes you act in a more self-interested manner than other people. Now, those are all studies that I found. So I concluded some things. So therefore, put all that together, muscly male economists who like organized religion and the window seat are some of the worst people in the world. (laughs) There you go. So ladies, there you have it. The reality is that it's in our nature, guys, to think about ourselves, to be concerned with our own well-being. It is ingrained in us. No one has to be taught to look out after their own best interest. It's in our nature. It is something that is just constantly bombarded upon us. The the people that achieve the most are sort of type A personalities that are driven, that want and demand certain, certain things be certain ways, and they push everything around them to be that. There's certainly a place for all of that. However, there is this thing in the Word of God that is very clear, and it's an old truth, and that's this. It's not all about you. It's not about you. The, the world doesn't exist for you. I, th- there is an interesting thing that I thought. And, you know, many of you have heard of Darwin's theory of evolution. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with that, here's the way it goes. Basically, that, that species develop by, by some, um, some, some mutation. They develop quality that makes them better off than the other ones. And by being better, they survive more. By looking, by being able to take care of their own needs rather than any other species' needs or any other members of their species, they succeed while the other ones... I just have a question for Darwin. Wouldn't, wouldn't an ability, a mutation, 
caused a particular animal in the group to care for the needs of everybody else other than it, wouldn't that mean the existence and the survival rather than of just one of the survival and the success of many? Wouldn't that be a great trait? And yet Darwin didn't conclude that. What's our vintage truth for the day? Here it is. Life isn't about you. It's about others. This world isn't created for your glory or for your success or for your fame or that your name would be exalted. This world, this life is best lived focused on the needs of other people. Here's a radical idea. Live your life to make other people's dreams come true. Oh, isn't that good? Live your life. Invest your life. Spend your money. Give up your time. Give up your resources. Educate yourself so that you can help make other people's dreams come true. You might find your dream changing when you do that. There are some things that we learn about that thing, about about that idea, about making other people's dreams come true. And we only learn them in one place. You don't learn them you won't learn them in the secular universities of our world. You won't learn them in the, well, in the, primarily in, the, in any of the educational systems. There are some individuals that teach that, certainly. You won't, certainly won't find it in the media. You won't find it in popular movies. You won't, you won't normally find that kind of idea in, in the culture around us. In fact, you find just the opposite of that. Get yours. Succeed. Make as much money for yourself so that you can elevate yourself above the masses and you'll find significance and importance. Your name will be known. People will look at you and desire what you have. They might desire you. You'll be loved. You will be someone. You will grow to become something great because you have done more, become more, had more than everyone else. Think about yourself. That's simply not the message of the scriptures. And it is only, I believe, only in our world and the scriptures that we find this idea of laying your life down so that others' lives might be stood up. Giving of yourself for other people's well-being. Let me give you some, some ideas. Number one, the central truth of Christianity. I, I almost wrote the central truth of Christianity. It's right there. Is self-sacrifice. It's so easy to say. It is so easy to think about and to embrace the philosophical idea of laying your life down right up until the moment you're asked to do so. Right up until you have to actually put yourself aside. Watch this. Well, we'll get to it in a moment. Let me read you some scripture. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 30, Jesus said this. He was asked... This question, Lord, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important truth in the scriptures? And this is what Jesus said to that question. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And I think that's what the guy that asked the question thought Jesus would say. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. But then he said, but the second is this. Right behind loving the Lord... Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus said that the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all that you are. Pour all that you are into the loving of the Lord. But right behind that, second only to that command, is to love other people like you love yourself. 
we, we have a really easy time of, of thinking that the most important thing is loving God, but I want you to know it's easy. It's easy. It's convenient for me to forget to love others like I love myself. I don't feel any conviction about that right in the front of it. I do later, but it's easy for me to get angry and to think of myself and to want what I want and to wonder why people have hurt me and why have they said that or why did they not think of me or why didn't they do what I wanted? It's, it's just easy to get into that pattern. But Jesus said, listen, the central ideas of the word of God are to love the Lord and to love others. What, is that, what does that kind of life look like? I, I found some images from just our society. People that have embraced, and I don't know that all of these individuals, I don't even know if these in the picture embrace that, but I found some images of that. Look at these pictures. Service members jumping out of an airplane. Listen, that's, that's dangerous stuff. Advancing against some enemy, putting your life on the line for an ideal. Willing to give your life so that others might be free. Here's another one. Cemeteries filled with people that have done that. Look at all the, that's Arlington National Cemetery. People who laid their life down. What about our police officers, our first responders, who put their lives in the way of people wanting to do harm? What about firemen who literally walk into burning buildings in order to protect life and property, willing potentially to give their life for others? Well, how about doctors? Certainly in the pandemic time where doctors would treat my goodness, if I was a physician, I might be tempted right now to just go home. What about, what about nurses who work long hours and lay their lives on the line for other people? That's, that's what it looks like. That's just a visual representation of what it is to not think of yourself, to think of the well-being of others. Certainly there are people that become firemen and policemen and soldiers and doctors and nurses and all of these things for reasons that aren't as altruistic, but you get the idea. Being willing to put yourself aside and to give what you are that other people might be free, that other people might be healthy, that other people might be whole, that other people might be safe. Before you had ever been conceived, before mankind came to be, it was in the heart of God that he might give all that he was. Jesus, in obedience, gave all that he was that you and I might be saved. And then he said, listen, I'm going to show you a way and you follow me in it. You've got to lay down that selfish idea. You've got to lay down your rights and your privileges to be noticed or to be number one or to be on top of the heap. If you're going to be a Christ follower, there is this old vintage truth that the world, oh Lord, the world so desperately needs a group of people who don't think of themselves. They think of others first. And that started in the heart of God. That is central to this thing, this group, this this fraternity that you signed into, this body of Christ, this church, this thing that we do central in the code of ethics, in the code of conduct for who we are, is that we think of others more than we think of ourselves. That's old. But man, the world needs it. Jesus said this in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You say, oh, no, the love of a mother for a child. Yeah, but how do you measure that? What, what, what's, a, what's a real mom do for her kids? She thinks of herself before she thinks of her, she thinks of her kids before she thinks of herself. 
What's a real dad? Oh, the love that a father has for his children. Yeah, but what's the, what's the revelation of that? How do you know that it's real? Because that dad will go and work three jobs so that his kids can have clothes and, and they can eat and they can have a warm house. And he lays his life down so that they will be something more than he was. You think about some friend sacrificing so that his friend can be something more. That's the way we measure. And where does that come from? All of that comes out of the heart of God. That's not naturally in the heart of mankind. That flows from the throne of God. We were dem- That was demonstrated to us through what Christ did. Central to Christianity is self-sacrifice. And the place that all of that thinking starts is in the heart of God. I want you to know I love those images that we looked at a moment ago. I love those kinds of people who do those kinds of things. But but it's easy for us to look at those kinds of people in that way. We most often, when we think about self-sacrifice and we think about what the Lord's doing, we think about people like that. Soldiers jumping out of airplanes and policemen and firemen putting themselves in harm's way. Soldiers and sailors and first responders. But, But I'm not one of those anymore. And most of you aren't either. Oh, we've got a few teachers and doctors and nurses and firemen and policemen as a part of our congregation. Certainly the body of Christ got them all over the world. I love those images. But listen, we need a wider view of that. You see, because this kind of love, this self-sacrificial love, it's found in some other places that I'm not sure that we attribute the same I don't know, altruistic virtue to. We don't see this list that I'm going to give you. We don't always go, yeah, you know what that is? That's Jesus manifesting himself through those people. That's as noble and as powerful as the soldier or the fireman or the policeman. What is it? How about this? That same kind of self-sacrificial love is found. Now get this. Some of you aren't going to like this. But it's found in moms and dads who work through their marital problems instead of quitting just because they love their kids. Dads and moms who say, you know, we're not in love. Well, listen, get back in love again. Find a way to get back in love again. Well, well, we fell out of love. Well, anything you fall out of, you can fall back into. Come on. You you didn't just walk around the corner one day and see him or her and suddenly, no, listen, self-sacrifice says, I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to work through it. I've been hurt so deeply. I've been betrayed so deeply. And listen, there are cases that you shouldn't stay in. I'm not talking about those exceptions. I'm talking about the norm where moms and dads say, moms say, wives say, I'm going to put myself aside. Husbands say, I'm going to put myself aside. You find me a relationship like that and they'll figure it out. How about this? How about husbands who put their wife and their children above themselves? No, I don't need this. I want them to have that. No, I don't need to go off with the guys on a, this. I'm going to spend it with them instead. Would this be fun? Oh, it'd be great fun. But this is a greater investment in my kids and my wife and my family. Husbands who sacrifice who they are for their families. Moms, how about this? Moms who put their husbands and their children first. Women of God. Proverbs 31 women who would say, you know what? I've got some dreams, but I'm willing to lay my dreams down so my kids' dreams can come true. Dads who say, I've got some dreams, but I'm willing to lay my dreams down so my wife and my kids' dreams can come true. That sort of thinking is central to what it means to be a man and a woman of God. Told you you wouldn't like it. How about children 
who don't forget their aging parents. Children who take care of their aging moms and dads. Why? They sacrifice their own dreams so that their moms and dads can be taken care of as they... Oh, how about this one? How about workers who work hard for companies they don't own and they never will? How about workers who work hard for bosses who don't deserve it? Come on now. You say, no, the, the union says, I, listen, forget the union. I'm in a bigger union than that. I'm in, the, I'm in the union of the Christ-following people, men and women who have laid their lives down, and they will give up their self to make the dreams of others come true. How about teachers? Come on, we ought to be applauding these teachers who pour into students year after year and never make professional sports salaries. Those are people we ought to be applauding who have laid their lives down, some of their dreams, so that students' dreams can come true. How about, watch this, how about people who do the right thing even when it costs them but benefits others? Let me say that again. People who just do the right thing even if it costs them. Come on. That's central in the heart of God. Later, after Jesus, Paul wrote some things. Those are things that Jesus read or wrote that we, wrote that we read a moment ago. But listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, do nothing. Say it with me. Do nothing. Oh, just do a few things. Don't do many things. No. He said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You don't hear that in the world. That's in the word of God. That's, a vintage. That's an old truth. How about another one written by Paul? It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He said, because of the privileges and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Mm. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. If you want to compare yourselves to something Paul said, you just compare yourself to the faith that God has given you. Quit looking at the world around you and don't think of yourself more highly than you all think of others. How does this happen? How do you get to this place in this crazy mixed up world where everybody is, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to, you know, and then I'm going to build a big fence around it and keep everybody out. I'm going to, how do you, how do you find this place? How do you get there? Well, there's only one way I know of. The Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of Jesus. He comes into you and me. And he begins to rewire how we think about our place in life and what real life is about. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus, he gets down inside you and me, and he takes the Word of God that we've put in. That's our job. Put the Word of God in. Put it in. And then the Holy Spirit takes that Word, and I'm telling you, it begins to funnel all through you. It gets in your mind. It gets in your heart. It gets in your pocketbook. It'll get down in your wallet. It'll get in your vacations. It's going to get in your spending. Watch this. It really messes with you when it gets in your mouth. Ooh, when the word of God starts affecting what comes out of your mouth, you start to say something, and the Holy Spirit says, ah, yeah. And you say, okay, no. You get some juicy tidbit of information. Oh, I'm good. No. No, that, that, that might make me feel good, but that doesn't build others up. 
And suddenly the word of God, made alive by the spirit of God, begins to percolate. I love that thought. I love that it starts bubbling up in you. And the way that you think, the way you see, the way you judge, what you do, how you spend, how you live, how you do marriage, how you do parenting, how you do saving, how you do work, how you drive, how some of you communicate while you drive, (laughs) what you put on social media, what you post. Sometimes... I look at some of the things that some people post, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I don't mind telling you, I'm just lost. I'm clueless. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, come on, there's got to be some Jesus in there. No, 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 I know Jesus in that anywhere. And I want to go, where, where's the Spirit of God bubbling up in you? Where's the rivers of living water that are supposed to be coming out of the people of God? Where's the truth? Let all that you say be seasoned with grace and speak the truth in love. Come on, where's that? Jesus gets down inside you and you start thinking of others more than we think of ourselves. How does it happen? Holy Spirit in the Word. There's some wonderful side benefits to this. Let me close this out. Otis, come on back if you would, please. There's some wonderful side benefits to this. Oh, my goodness. I don't have all of these, and I'm not always the example. We're all still moving towards him. We're not there yet. But there's some wonderful side benefits to this life. Let me give them to you. First of all, it's really hard to offend someone who's living their life to bless other people. You find yourself being offended all the time? You turn on the news, I'm offended. Somebody says something, I'm offended. Get in traffic, I'm offended. It's really hard to offend someone living their life to bless other people. So if you want to live a more peaceful, joyous, unoffended, lighthearted, refreshing life, start focusing your life on blessing other people and quit worrying about yourself so much. Let me give you another one. People who live like this They have a lot of peace in their lives. You say, yeah, but you don't have as much stuff. Well, let me tell you, I I don't need any more stuff. But our world needs more peaceful people. Say amen. And people who live like that, they have a lot of peace. You spend your life worrying about other people. You quit worrying about yourself. And peace begins to fill your life. People who live like this. Here's a third one. People who live like this find great purpose every day, no matter where they are. Do you know why? Because the world is full of needy people. And if you focus yourself walking through life, what am I here? I, I heard a great term on a Craig Groeschel podcast. He was talking to pastors, but I think you could take this too. You know, there are a lot of terms. I'm the CEO. I'm the VIP. I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the vice president. I'm the president. I'm a, how about this? I'm the CPS. Every day, in every room, in every circumstance, God has called me to be the CPS. What is that? I'm the chief problem solver. Walk into a room, find somebody with a problem. God put me there to help solve it. Speak a word of encouragement. Take some money out of my wallet and give it to them. You know, come on, wrap them in a warm blanket. Give them a warm place to stay. Uh, If you can live your life like that, then every day is filled with incredible purpose. You don't have to worry about what you're going to do through life. I'm going to walk through life. Steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord, and I'm just going to help solve the problems of people that I come in contact with. Oh, that's a great life. Let me give you another one. Here's another one. People love people like this. You say, I don't have any friends. 
Did you ever think that maybe it's because your life is all about taking instead of giving? That you're only needy all the time? I want you to know that people love givers. And you say, well, I don't have any money. I, I didn't say anything about money. I said givers. People love givers. Hey, can I, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you carry that? Can I, can I move that for you? I, I, one of my favorite things to do. I know this is crazy. One of my best evangelistic tools. I, I, I shop at Home Depot a lot. Got a couple of people here that do as well. A couple of, got one worker on a camera here that's at Home Depot all the time. I love pulling up to Home Depot and see some guy trying to load something by himself. Oh, I love it. Some guy with a big sheet of plywood and winds blowing him down the barn lot. I love it. I get, hey, man, can I, can I help you? And they always look at me like, what kind of weirdo are you? Come on, let me help you. Come on. I've even pulled up. You ever seen these people that got like 16-foot boards strapped onto a four-foot car? You know what I'm talking about? They got, they got stuff going out the windows. I've More than once, I've said, hey, do you live a long ways from here? And they're like, who are you? I said, could, could I put that in my truck? Because I don't think you're going to survive the trip. Could I put that in my truck? And, and I've done that more than once. And you know what always happens? Always happens. First of all, they're like, who are you? And why are you doing this? And you know what I tell them? Hey, my name is this, and I'm the pastor of Abundant Life Community Church. And I just want you to know the Lord loves you and he cares about you. I've never yet not had it open a door for me to share the love of God. Just walk into situations, being the, 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 the chief problem solver. I can't tell you how many times I've been in circle. I think the Lord directs me to people. I was in the plumbing aisle one time. I told that story to you, and there was a single mom whose husband has died, and her two friends, and they had a broken part on their pool, and they couldn't figure out plumbing fixtures. And I said, come on, let me, let's put this together. And then I thought, wait a minute, call Doc. And I called, and he sent a guy, and oh, my goodness, just be aware of the needs around you, and there's such great joy in that. And people love people like that. Let me give you just three more real quickly. These people succeed where other people do not. You might think that the way to get to the top is to be focused on yourself, and to get yours, and to make sure that you are noticed. And that, but I want you to know that if you'll spend your life focused outward, the Scripture says, mm, "Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you." I want you to know that. God has the ability to exalt you higher and faster and better than you'll ever be able to exalt yourself. Humble your, you put yourself down under God's hand and he'll lift you up. Come on, these people succeed where others do not. Let me give you two more. These people make great spouses. Young women, you want to marry a guy like this. Young men, you want to find a woman like this. Find somebody that's not all focused about themselves. Find somebody that you watch has their life oriented outward, trying to take care of the needs of others. Now, that's going to get in the way sometimes. Somebody that really does that, sometimes when you want their attention, their God-given calling is going to have their attention focused on somebody else. You've got to be aware of it. But I want you to know they make great spouses because they'll, be, they'll, they'll do their best to be attentive to your needs and the needs of the family. And young men, if you can find a woman like that, young women, if you can find a man like that, oh, you found a treasure, somebody that has their focus on the needs of others. And let me give you one more. If you don't think that this is worth doing, let me tell you, it has incredible eternal benefits, but it's got great earthly benefits. Here's another great last earthly benefit. I want you to know that employers love these kinds of employees. 
You'll be running the company. Employers love this. Don't make it all about you. Make it about others. You'll be the best customer service person they've ever had. You'll be watching people. You'll be trying to genuinely, hey, let me take that. Let me get that. Let me help you with that. You'll stay longer. You'll work more. Employers, you'll advance. And one day you'll be running that place or owning that place. Why? Because our world desperately needs people like this. People who don't think of themselves, they think of the needs of others. Now, how about you? Father, this morning, we've just come through, Lord, one of the most difficult seasons of, of life that I've lived through. It's been different. It hasn't been personally catastrophic, Lord, like it has for some. But it's been hard. It's been hard, Father. The good news about that, Father, is that with difficulty, needs arise. And Lord, the body of Christ, we are the most well-equipped, the most well-philosophically prepared group of people the world has ever known to meet people at their moment of need. If we will simply, Lord, get our eyes off of ourselves and focus them out on others. Oh my goodness, Lord, what we could do. And Father, I'm completely convinced that that's what we're about to do. We're coming out of this pandemic time, Lord. Vaccines are coming online. Herd immunity. We'll get there, Father. That's going to happen. All of these things are going to be gone. But what's going to be left, Lord? There's going to be a window of time, Father, where the world is going to recognize their need for something that endures more than even our physical bodies. And it's a perfect, fertile field, Father, for the Word of God through genuine need-meeting, problem-solving people of God, Lord, to spread out all over this region, all over this nation, all over this world, Father. It'll not only work on the large scale, it'll work in homes, Lord. We've got people whose marriages are on the rocks, Lord. And if I can get either of them to become this person, it'll work. It will work. And if they both do, it'll be heaven. Lord, we got turmoil at times in the body of Christ and that every time I've been involved in that every time Father somebody some group is thinking of themselves rather than others so Holy Spirit sweep across your people today sweep across your people maybe you're listening to me this morning and you'd say you know Pastor Roy as you were saying this I recognize that at times I can be a pretty selfish person Come on, we all do it. What about you, though? What do you need to do right now? Is there somebody you need to call? Is there a note you need to write? Is there a need you need to meet? Is there something that the Lord has placed before you to do or to become, but you can't do it thinking of yourself? An invitation, perhaps, from the Holy Spirit has been opened, and you didn't step into it because of the cost, because of the time. You saw the benefits to the body of Christ and to others, but you wouldn't do it. You saw a need that the Lord told you. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's at your work. But you didn't do it because the cost was going to be too high to you. Come on. Push that aside. Ask the Lord right now. Father, forgive me, first of all. Forgive me for not stepping into those needs and being who you call me to be. And then, Lord, use me. 
Let me be the chief problem solver, the CPS in every room I walk into. If I see someone in need, let my schedule be pushed aside and let me be drawn to those in need, Father. The scripture says that they might see my good works and give glory to you. In our families, Lord, let siblings, oh Lord, this would be miraculous, that siblings started caring more about each other than they do themselves. Moms and dads, in our communities, Lord, oh, that every individual would care more for the needs of others than they do themselves. What a great place this would be. Lord, I don't think we're going to turn this into heaven, Lord, but we can take some people to heaven. Forgive us for when we have failed and use us, Lord. Use us to be your people in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's been great to be with you this morning quick summation of what comes up in the next couple of weeks. I told you that I would when I was reading through the phases, so please don't don't jump offline yet. First of all, if that's you this morning, don't be selfish. Let the Lord use you. Let me talk to you about registration very quickly. Next week, uh, this week, uh, beginning uh, early this week, but specifically on Wednesday, uh, the the website, our abundant.church website, will go live for registration for next Sunday's services. And that will be how we do it. Every Wednesday, for instance, you can't register today for next week's service. You can do that beginning on Wednesday. In the morning, the site will go active. It'll have a counter. You'll know whether or not you can register. If the, if the service has gotten full, you won't be able to. Uh, and each time that you go to register, it will show you what the phase restrictions are for that week coming up. We'll make that announcement on Wednesday. You say, well, what if they change between Wednesday and Sunday? We, we won't be able to do that. The phase restrictions uh, that are in place on Wednesday will be in place uh, for that week. So all you do is go to Abundant.Church, whether you're at the Wood River campus or the Alton campus, go to Abundant.Church. You'll see right on the top, register for a service. You'll click on that. It'll take you to a page and it will say Alton or Wood River. You click on your campus and then it's very self-explanatory from then. That happens on Wednesday uh, and that's when you'll start being able to register. So we look forward to you being in here. 150 in each service here is our capacity and then 100 at the Wood River campus. Remember, it goes live on Wednesday. You can click there. We need you to register as long as we're in phase four or three and then we can be back together. We'll still be streaming. Everything will be streamed. So if you don't feel comfortable being in the building, then tune in right here where you did before. We'll be back here tonight at 5 o'clock for prayer and then Wednesday morning for our senior adult service and then Wednesday night for our study in the book of Acts. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day and a great week. We'll see you back here soon or live in the building next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.